0: 1 Samuel 25, we're going to be looking at the woman, Abigail. Um, We, again, are doing the series on the apostles in the morning and then uh, in the evening with uh, the ladies. When God created man, he said that it was not good for man to be alone. Therefore, he made a help be comparable to him to complement him and to complete him in a way. Uh, Men and women go together. Uh, One cannot say, I have no need of you or the other. And the world without women would be like flowers without color, a day without the sun, or life without vision or desire. It's just the way God has done it. There are many uh, women in the world who are a model of virtue and grace, as God intended them to be, and one such woman is Abigail. Abigail is a five-carat diamond in the midst of the common stones. Um, and for our study, we want to study her from three vantage points. We want to look at uh, Abigail the woman, Abigail the wise intercessor, and Abigail the wife And we'll break it up as we move through the scripture. First comes Abigail the woman. Notice that Abigail was married to a man named Nabal. Here in verse 2 and 3. The personal position of Abigail. um, She was a woman of means. Now there was a woman in um, man whose business was in Carmel. Beginning in verse 2. She lived in the midst of riches. And the man was very rich. Um, He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Um, So he he was not in poverty. He was not struggling in life. Um, The woman's name is stated, um, his wife Abigail, which means my father is joy or exaltation of my father. She most likely was the apple of her father's eye. She without doubt was sought out by many men of the community or area. And she was named for her beauty of mind and intelligence as we'll see. Um, Yet she was a sinner in spite of all this like any other person. Uh, She had temptations. Her heart was evil like all fallen people. And she failed her God, people, and herself at times. Uh, No person is ever sinless. No person is ever perfect. But as we depend on the Lord through the new birth, we are radically changed and now we can live Completely different and opposite to what we used to be. That's the meaning of the new birth. Too often, when we read or study some of the characters of the Bible, men or women, uh, we think that they are so much holier than ourselves in and of themselves, and that's not true. um, In fact, the Old Testament, none of the people ever had the Spirit of God in them. The Spirit of God came only upon special individuals for special things, like kings and priests and like a holy ab and abu for the work of the tabernacle. Only certain people. But the common person did not have the Spirit of God in them. It's not till the New Testament. And yet, as a chosen nation, God was dealing with them. Now, notice Abigail was a woman, as we said earlier, of good understanding there in verse 3, down towards the middle. Uh, The phrase, and she was a woman of good understanding, means she was intelligent in matters of natural, civil, domestic, and spiritual things as is revealed in our text as we move through it. Intelligence has to do with our ability to think and reason. Intelligence, as a marked trait, will produce wisdom, being able to understand things and assimilate them and accommodate them and then make the best determination for the best outcome, that's wisdom. The wise woman is a prize. A wise person is one who is able to assimilate information, as I said, and to be able to categorize it, bring forth the best choices Sometimes people are very intelligent, but they don't have any common sense. There are many people like that. A wise person is one who is ever learning because they do not think. They know everything. The phrase uh, encompasses being prudent. Prudent has the idea of being discreet, knowing when to speak or not to speak, knowing one's place. That's a rare thing today. Everybody has a big mouth because there's no consequences. One of the greatest restrainers against a big mouth is consequences. But as parents, we try to teach our children civility, that they be prudent, discreet, polite, how to conduct themselves in public. The phrase includes insight and good common sense. There are many who have much information, as I said, yet they're not very wise. They do not manifest good understanding evident on what they say or what they do. Today's modern world is a perfect example of people who have an overload of information with um, no common sense at times, revealing they are very unwise and without good understanding. The things they choose. The things they decide to live by. The things they say. Where they go. What they get involved in. The teaching of evolution is a perfect example. <clears throat> While having the information that absolutely denies such a theory. In The category of science, I'm not talking about biblical, just the information based on science, it refutes the theory of evolution. The teaching of safe sex by using condoms, while knowing that the AIDS virus is a hundred times smaller than the opening on every latex condom. It would be the equivalent of me grabbing a BB and throwing it through a tennis court net. Where's the safety? And every doctor knows that. Amazing. The spread of the AIDS epidemic since the 80s by the professional educators and medical community is atrocious. The only safe sex is no sex today. And that's not even mentioning the STDs that are out there. AIDS has taken such a forefront that they're not even bothering with the rest. It's amazing. Notice Abigail was a good looking woman, too. In verse 3, the description is both of face and body, and beautiful appearance. The priority is on her intelligence, though, even before the beauty of our text, okay? Take note of that. Unfortunately, the natural man, apart from the spirit and wisdom of God, will put the priorities on a woman's beauty rather than her intelligence or purity or prudence or wisdom Not that there's anything wrong with beauty or that we should not desire it, but we should not be slaves to it. The problem is that at times, women do not cultivate their intelligence knowing they can get attention and what they desire just through their looks. The whole culture points young women in that direction. Everything on TV, the internet, is sold by sex. Sex appeal. Women are so perverse and corrupt in their insinuations and how they talk. On just commercials, on just whatever. I, I mean, I, I, I grew up in the 60s. I, I was no angel, no saint. And when I have to say, thank God I grew up in the 60s, you know it's bad. All you have to do is look around to our society again to see the emphasis that's placed on the physical. The number of those who get facelifts, breast implants, liposuction. It's epidemic, all-time high. One of the major places is Cali, Colombia. Americans go down there. You go down there, you can stay for a month, get all those implants in you, stay in a nice hotel, enjoy the time, and it's cheaper than getting it done here. <laughs> Amazing. For ladies who want to get younger and who does not, visit Addis Ababa, the capital city of Ethiopia. Upon arriving there, you immediately deduct seven years and eight months from your age because of the local use of the Julian calendar. (laughs) It's all a facade, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to me. You're going to die right on time. You may be the best-looking corpse at Rose Hills. It may take a little longer for your body to decompose. But all the exterior is not going to affect your eternity or the inside or aging. It's an obsession of our culture. Abigail was beautiful, but nothing wrong with that. She was a woman of wisdom and understanding. Notice, secondly, comes Abigail, the wise intercessor. We go back to verse 1 through 3 here, the setting for the story of Abigail. Um, David had withdrawn, verse 1, into the wilderness of Paran after Samuel's death in order to be safe from Saul. This is the context. And Samuel had died, verse 1 tells us, all of Israel gathered together to lament him. And they buried him at his house in Ramah. Samuel was the one who had anointed David as king, remember? In verse 2, Nabal again was from Ma'oan, on Carmelite, a businessman. He was very rich having these um, thousands of sheep and goats and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, some of you, uh, have gone to Israel, we've gone to the area of Carmel and Mount Carmel, and all beautiful up there. Um, and Nabal, in verse 3 there, stands in sharp contrast to his wife Abigail here. The name Nabal means fool. Her name means father is, my father is joy or exalted of her father. His person is described as harsh and evil in his doing in verse 3 at the end there while she is described by good understanding and beautiful in appearance. The twofold description of Nabal, harsh and evil, means morose and ill-tempered in his nature. His natural disposition of mind and wicked in his conversation and fraudulent and oppressive in his dealing with men. By the way, notice at the end there, verse 3 says that he was a descendant of Caleb, a man who, along with Joshua, brought back the good report to enter the land, trusting God rather than. their sight and didn't rebel. The seeking of Nabal, Abigail's husband by David's men, then is given to us in verse 4 down to 13. And in verse 4, the plan of David was to send some of his young men to collect some sheep at shearing time from Nabal Kind of as payment for their protective services. In verse 5 through 9, David's message was to be communicated to Nabal. They were supposed to greet him in David's name, verse 5 says, respectfully. They were supposed to greet him with a blessing of peace on him and his house and all he had in verse 6. In verse 7 and 8, they were to report of their protection of his flocks throughout the time they were uh, present and that it could be verified by his men of the flocks, thereby in appreciation they were asking for some of the sheep in sort of back payment. This was common practice of those days and and, and and willingly given with the understanding that if those men were not present, then they would lose so much more. Now verse 9, having done so, they waited for the response of Nabal. But as we're going to see, he, he lives up to his name. In verse 10 through 13, David's message was rejected by Nabal. Nabal denied any knowledge of who David was. In 10, he says, Then Nabal answered David's servant and says, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? (laughs) You can almost hear his voice of condescension. Nabal further insulted David by declaring he was one of those rebellious servants of the day. There are many servants Nowadays, who break away each one from his master. Wow. Nabal questioned whether he should give any of his bread, water, and meat, since he did not know where they were from in verse 11. This guy just keeps pounding it on. (laughs) In verse 12 through 13, Nabal's arrogance was communicated to David now by his servants. They're going back. And in 13, then David said to his men, um, um, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Nabal now, at this point, did not recognize the protection given to him and he has dishonored David. But he feels very secure because of who he is. And since this is the way he's lived and there's no real repercussions have ever come to him, he's emboldened. He was in the most perilous situation and he did not know it. The sensible servant in the house of Nabal sought out Abigail to intervene in verse 14 through 22. One of Nabal's young servants had good sense. In verse 14, now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. Probably nothing new to her. But you can probably sense the urgency in the servant's voice at this point. He shared how they had protected them and they had missed nothing by their presence. Not one sheep, not one goat, nothing. In verse 17, he pleaded with her to do something against the harm determined on them. He said, now therefore no one consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master and against his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Now the servant didn't go to Nabal because he knows he's stupid. But he knows his wife is very, very prudent and wise. He knows that this is a very dangerous situation. And so Abigail reveals her good understanding as she gathers provisions in verses 18 to 22. Verse 18, she took a variety of provisions, bread and sheep and all these hundreds of pounds of things. In 19, she told her servant to go ahead of her and that she would follow, but she did not tell her husband. Why? Why? He would have stopped her. And everybody would have been wiped out. Verse 20, she ran into David and his men all of a sudden as she's traveling towards him. In 21 and 22, she was ignorant to the extent of David's vengeance. She's going to find out exactly the extent of it. Now David has said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also, to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. David was going to kill everybody. Wipe them out. See, David got caught up in avenging himself. Out of personal offense. It's easy to do. It's the most natural thing. And that's what the beauty of the Bible is. That the Bible records for us real people. Like you and I. Real life. And life situations. If we are wise enough not to avenge ourselves of the Saul's in our lives, we must be also careful not to fall prey to nables, adding hurt to our future and becoming greater fools than they. David had been wise enough to say, you know, God's going to take care of Saul. I'm not going to touch God's anointed. And now he's going to throw it all away because of this fool? (laughs) That's a danger for all of us. In 23 down to 35, we have the submissive servant of David here. Abigail. Abigail's substitutionary intercession comes in in verse 23 through 31 in 23 she quickly dismounts and falls on her face in obeisance to plead for the offense of her husband in 24 she humbles herself so she fell at his feet and said oh me my lord on me On me, let this iniquity be, and please let your maidservant speak in your ear and hear the words of your maidservant. She comes humbly. In 25, she pleaded that he not regard her scoundrel husband Nabal, who was a fool according to his name and apologized for not seeing the man he sent i mean she she's just an incredible woman in 26 she then told david that it was god who had held him back from avenging himself and desired that all his enemies be as nabal wow 27 and 28. She asked that he accept the present for the men. To forgive her trespass. For God would make him an enduring legacy. For he fought the Lord's battles and no evil had been found in his life. So she was saying, David, don't be a fool. Up to this point, you are okay with the Lord. If you do this, when you come on the throne, you're going to have guilt on you. Wow. But notice she says, God sent me. She gives the glory to God. In 27 to 31, she declared how God would protect him in battle. And when he brought him into his kingdom, he would have no grief because he did not shed innocent blood. Here's the key. Nor avenge himself. That's the natural bent of our heart, our sin nature. To avenge ourselves. To get, well, we don't even like to get even. We, 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 need, we want to go further. <laughs> Getting even only satisfies it for a little while. Then it comes up again. She requested that he remember her when the Lord dealt well with him. Verse 31 at the end there. Wow, what a lady. David's response comes in 32 to 38. We see David's submissive acknowledgement here. In 32, the words of David are given to us. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. I mean, there's just all kinds of emotion and rage going on. And all of a sudden, there is an intervention and God is in this. And David acknowledges this. He doesn't rear up in his pride and says, Get out of the way, woman. But he pays heed to the check from God through this woman. God will give each of us checks in our life through other people. Will we give heed to that and to see the hand of God's mercy towards us? Or will we just run and do whatever we want? Hmm. Verse 34, he confessed that as God lived, who had kept him from hurting her, unless she had come, not one male would have lived by mourning. And so to an extent, as she submits and humbles herself before David and God, David equally responds in like manner. In 35, he received the provisions from her hand, sent her in peace to her house, declaring he had heeded her voice and respected her person. David was approachable and learned that personal vengeance is a desire that is ever-present but should be averted at all costs. Those of us who lived long enough in the world understand what's the outcome of that type of stuff. It never ends. It just builds up and complicates life. It destroys things. In verse 36 to 42, we have the sweet end of the story. In 36, Abigail returned home. Nabal was having a drunken party, like a feast of a king. While she's out there interceding and protecting and he's totally oblivious, he's just partying and drinking up and, you know, totally ignorant of the danger he was under. What a picture of your life and mine before Christ. We were out there doing our thing, thinking we were the life of the party and just having a great time and we were headed for eternity apart from God. And then God's mercy reached us. We heard the gospel. We repented and he saved us. And made us turn around completely. Wow. What a difference our life before Christ to now. What a blessing. What Grace God has poured upon us. Nabal's heart was merry being drunk. Alcohol. It's a depressant. Your pastor destroyed a lot of brain cells. Every time you drink, you literally destroy hundreds and thousands of brain cells. You've got billions of brain cells. But every time you drink heavily, you destroy them, and you don't get them back. It shrinks your brain. It affects every organ. It destroys your perception. It complicates matters. That's why I cannot understand the, um, the promotion of drinking among the emerging church today, among Christians. Why would you want to go there? Well, you know, the Bible doesn't say you cannot drink and you know no is this and that, and the wine that Jesus drank. You, you really want to go there? Naming the good things that come from that before you were in Christ. Did being drunk preserve your purity? Did it make you speak wise? Did it cause you to be prudent or stupid? Why would you as a Christian want to go there? Not only for you and your wife or your husband, but how about your children that are looking? And he said, well, you know, I just drink at home by myself. Yeah, but your children live there. And when they get to be teenagers, how are you going to tell them not to drink if you drink? Well, nobody knows. So if I ask you, do you drink? Are you going to lie to me? No, when you do. Now you're not only a drunker, but now you're a liar. And you're calling yourself a Christian. Wow. You see where I'm going? not a matter of being legalistic. It's not in fact that I'm envious. I, I drank heavily. Nothing good ever came from it. Ever. So Nabal is they're parting. He's having a blast. She didn't tell him nothing till the following morning. Wise woman, you don't ever want to talk to drunks. It's a waste of time. You know, I I always wanted to talk to you, ask you some questions about the Bible. Well, call me tomorrow. Right now is not the time. I'm not going to speak to drunks. I get irritated when I see drunks. Because they have big mouths. And I want to be around them. (laughs) Abigail's News we're given the next day. Verse 37 and 38. When she told him about the whole event. Nabal. Went into shock. He became like a stone. Verse 37 says. I can just see his face as she's telling him. All that she did. Now she was on her way out there. And she saw the number of men. That David. Was leading. And step after step. And he was probably freaking out. He was stricken by God. Dead. After 10 days. Wow. Sometimes God intervenes like that for godly women or godly men. I'm not saying God does it all the time. But sometimes God just delivers a wife or a husband from the horrible marriage that they have. By removing the person. And setting them free. God's mercy. David hearing of Nabal's death. Came and took Abigail for his wife. 39 through 44. David blessed God for keeping him from evil. And avenging himself in verse 39. Now David sees. The clear picture much more now. David remembered Abigail's request to remember her and showed her gratitude by proposing marriage to her in verse 39. And David's proposal was accepted and she became his wife. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but from the Lord. During the Crusades, a knight was taken captive by the um, Muslim Saladin. The knight begged for his life, claiming that um, he had a wife in England who loved him dearly. Saladin commented that if she would, uh, that she would soon forget him and marry someone else. Then on second thought, the cruel chiefman offered to set the man free if this lady in question would send her right hand as a token of her love for her captive husband. When word was sent to this lady in England she immediately cut off her right hand and sent it to the Saladin. The man was forthwith returned to England. There is a statue of the faithful woman in one of the old cathedrals of England. She's attractive, but the statue shows her without a right hand. Abigail's a beautiful type of Christ. Interceding on behalf of her husband, who of himself was not worthy of it at all. Wow. This was Abigail, the wife, the wife's intercessor. Amazing. It leaves us with Abigail, the wife. Abigail was a committed wife as we've gone through this text. To remain in a marriage that was not the best. Christians so quickly divorced today. That there's as many divorces in the church as outside the church. She could have been promised. By an arrangement of marriage. And most likely that's what took place. She could have been swept off her feet only to have it go Sour sometimes it happens. She, without doubt, was much younger than Nabal. But also to intervene in view of her husband's foolishness. She knew his character. She knew his disposition. And yes, she did so. Also to secure the safety of her household. She cared about the people under her care and the care of her husband. She took control when it was needed, but also to jeopardize her own life. She was not thinking of herself, she was trusting God. Last of all, to take and place the fault on herself. She was denying herself. She was acting as her God. Abigail was a wife used of God. She told David that the Lord had held him back. She was used to confirm God's promises of establishing the kingdom that God had been promised to David. Saul's been chastened. She was acknowledged as being sent from God by David to stop him from avenging himself and shed innocent blood. And she was recompensed by God as he removed her from the oppressive home striking Nabal dead. She was exalted to be David's wife. Wow. You see, Abigail was a wife of character. She was approachable by her servant. She was Confident and decisive. She was honorable to her husband and her household. She was humble and sensitive on how she approached David tactfully. She was gentle to not tell her husband during the drunken party. She was faithful and content to go back home to her marriage. She was loving by using the beauty of her heart to advantage others rather than the beauty of her appearance to advantage herself. Hmm. A biologist tells of how He watched an ant carrying a piece of straw which seemed a big burden for it. The ant came to a crack on the earth which was too wide for it to cross. It stood for a time as though pondering the situation then put the straw across the crack and walked across upon it. Here's the lesson for all of us. A man's or woman's burden can be made a bridge for his progress. God often uses difficulties to test and make us more like him. Peter says we're not to think it strange when we fall into fiery trials, not just trials. They mold and shape us into Christ. And the very thing that we cry out to God and threaten God that we're going to quit and it's not fair. And Years, decades later, as we're older, we thank God for those times that would never exchange them. Because they have made us so much more like Christ than ourselves. Hmm. This was Abigail the wife. Amazing lady. A five carat diamond in the midst of a bunch of dirt clots. <laughs> Amazing. Abigail the woman. Abigail the wife's intercessor. Abigail the wife. Only through Christ. Only depending on God. No other way. Father we worship you. We thank you for tonight. Lord I thank you for the women that you bring here. The godly ladies that just serve you. Those that just seek you Lord. For the wives that are so faithful to you. in the, some oppressive marriages Lord. The faithfulness of their being mothers to the children. Day in and day out. And how they Just trust you lord I thank you for every one of them lord and father we pray you would raise up godly women from the young girls that are growing up as they have their eyes upon you and the example of those who serve them and who serve here lord father we just worship you as you're praying if you're here tonight if if you don't know jesus christ as your lord and savior God has brought you here to be saved. If you've never accepted Christ. Maybe you're over the internet. Then. um, Or the radio out there somewhere in the world. If you have never heard about Christ. And this is the first time. Know that Christ loves you. He died for you. And he tasted death for you. And made the payment for every one of your sins. And if you believe that he was God and is God who became man and died for your sins and made that payment. And you believe that you are a sinner in need of a savior, then you can call upon him right now. The word is repentance, recognizing your lostness and your need of a savior and that he has made those provisions for you. And if you want to call upon his name, he will save you right now, forgiving you of your sin by grace through faith. A simple prayer of repentance will do that. This prayer is to him, not to us. And he will save you. This is your prayer to him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.